Hey there, everybody. We're going to continue. This is Teva DRC of Teva Creative Leadership, Teva DRC Ministries. And we're going to continue with the testimony about how God called me at age 24 to study the Christian body, the leadership, their doctrine, their different styles, the things that were their pet peeves, the red flag buzzwords, and do it with the different races, but only do it when he led me by the Spirit gently and quietly. And that's what I had commented on in the first go-round of this message to leaders was that I'd just been brought up by parents who were Baptists, charismatic, not Charismatics or Pentecostal, but just Baptists that loved the Lord and my mother's side Presbyterian, but they were led by the Holy Spirit in the inward witness for their day-to-day life. And if the Lord said, go, you do it. If he said, buy something, you did it. If he said, don't do it, you don't. That's all I grew up with. So there's nothing that big about this testimony. A lot of people are doing it even more. When I was 14, I remember my parents called my sister and myself in in Central Virginia, and they said, we feel like God is going to have us move. And so that was because God said so. So we all prayed. We didn't know where. And my parents started to obey the Lord by looking for houses. So we went around Central Virginia, but nothing seemed to fit. So then they prayed again, prayed and prayed, and they got the revelation to go to Norfolk, Virginia, where my parents both got employed. They were teachers. My father had been a pastor, but this time he was a supply pastor and taught school. So we moved, and that was a huge, that ended up being a giant thing for myself because I was never one that enjoyed small-town thinking. I'm just not a small-town, small-thought person. I find it oppressive. And so when I moved to Norfolk, I just blossomed, and I just felt so, oh, man, amazement. I felt so free to be different, you know, myself. And it was right during the time when the music called progressive rock started to come. I was, <laughs> I enjoyed that. I was not, I was very tame and micromanaged, I guess, by my mom, not my dad, but just my mom, who was a great prayer warrior mother, but a fearful type of micromanager. But my other side that I was now is out was not allowed to come out. So I had to bury it. And so I was a closet rocker. And thank God that I was raised with the fear of the Lord and respected my parents because I didn't go out and do drugs and I didn't do things that would damage myself, though some of my friends did. And when the hard rock, like Jimi Hendrix and all that drugs started to come, I really wanted to know the, I love the music, but I was very careful to listen. I always wanted to know their lifestyle, what they were like off stage did I want to you know admire them and I would always be careful what I took in like the words and the I didn't want to get depressed I found that I was prone to depression back then not now and I found that certain kind of music would bring me down and I would have more moody swings and then the Lord you know I knew the Lord deeper and he brought me out of that even though I love a hard rock Christian music and I love to get in the spirit now. But back then, this was all fledgling and nobody taught on it. And I didn't know what prophetic was and prophetic was either. So like I said, to recap, I had been a Christian and sort of an evangelist. I loved to do the bulletin board in college for InterVarsity. Who'd have thought I'd love to do it in tweets and online now? That was amazing. 
But when I was 24, God said, I want you to study my body. And one day, my diverse body, one day I'm going to have you teach and build bridges. So when I find that certain movements have great things, I really want to share some of the great things I learned from them. Casting your cares on the Lord, standing in faith, not complaining, uh, good teaching that's solid, plus my own parents' core teaching, the Baptist, servant leadership, humility, and humanity. I like that. I'll always carry that. Down-to-earth, practicality, real people. I love that. But then you can go out where there are people that are more, I guess, they have doctrine that I've never heard of. And so as a noble Berean kind, I prayed that I'd not get into error. I still do. You can pray for me. But I also was not scared to study people that were different from me. So I studied Word of Faith before it got famous, before when the original, when it started, it wasn't like you see a lot today. It went about all this money stuff and all these people wanting to be famous and rich and money, money, money. And that's when I drew away because of not the head people, basically, but the followers are the part I avoid because the followers warped it. And it, it, it happened on the East Coast. It happened everywhere. You can even see TV, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous Christian, you know. So we're not putting down for their money, but we're putting them down for, I think it's Harmon Jesus' good name. So that's why I'm a little loud and mouthy like I never was before. I was never like this until I moved to the Deep South religious Christian spirit. And even though I'm not a blue state person or a red state, I'm much more blue in the fact that I would rather hang with somebody who's for social justice, a passion for their cause, than some closet namby-pamby quasi-saved Christian from any color state. And I'm not political on purpose because Jesus wasn't. We were praying for all the parties, but I am going to vote because I'm not going to vote for somebody who kills babies, especially if they're alive or <laughs> it's horrible. Other than that, I'm embarrassed. I can say I'm embarrassed by what goes on in our nation in politics on both sides. I'm embarrassed by the liberals, but I'm embarrassed by the Republicans. I'm embarrassed. And I think we need to really pray on that heart and repent ourselves. But I'm not going to spend my time saying Jesus is all American. He's not <laughs> He's not from the Middle East. I'm not going to make him a pinpoint of political correctness. I'm not going to put the wrap him in the American flag either. I can love our nation, be a patriarch, but I don't want Jesus politicized or nationalized or taken over by some party that says he's ours when they're not even brown like he is. All right. And so we're for all colors. We're equal opportunity, real respect. And that is my penchant right now because I have never, until I moved to the deep south, I was never around Christian bias like chauvinism. I was never around so many big eyes and little U's, so many big eyes, and they have less than 100 people in their ministry. <laughs> I've never seen it. So therefore, I figured I better teach on it. I better go back. You know, I can respect you all. I respect them all as humans. I can love them. But do I want to be close to that and get tangled into that network 
that when they're warping Jesus' name, trading all the trading on the famous preacher's name, the good name of the famous preacher, him or her, when really they're doing things that are corrupt, toxic, caustic, dominating, cheating. Am I want to be in that? No. Therefore, I pulled out. God pulled me out. In fact, I withdrew after being out here and being jumped in churches. I'll tell you about my jumping in churches. I'd like to just tell it all and get it over with so I never have to talk about it because there are too many good things going on. And I don't want young people to be disillusioned. (laughs) These were my age, basically, folks. So the issue is you can get old-timey, hardcore, mean religion, a religious spirit, but you don't want that. That's not Jesus. Jesus Christ went about doing good. He didn't book about seeing sin jumping people and accusing them of being out of order and not under authority when they've never even talked to them before. That's what happened. So I'm spilling it all out because I'm telling you my dues the Lord had me put through so I can help people not ever do that to a single living person who's trying so hard to hear God, wants to come to church, has an abusive marriage. They can barely make it from paycheck to paycheck. They're a single parent a grandparent who's lonely, a black person, a gray person, whatever. And they have to have violence when they come to church just for showing up. This is what we're talking about. You know, I do know the Holy Spirit. I do have a, I can move in the Spirit if I'm allowed. And if they ever do it, I'm able to get in the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I'd rather be normal, a good parent, a good black person, white person, whatever color I am in my earth suit, God Taylor made for me and just be myself and let God do it through me. But I'm saying this because the battle is long and we're not, a lot of people are not really receiving Christ because of the Christian. That's why we're talking to the Christians on this podcast, in this ministry all the time in minister. And these are examples, my PhD, Pretty Hard Days, Piled High and Deep, DFW degree, <laughs> the DFW degree was an added one, Dallas Finest and its Worst, because nobody should have to go and be stereotyped, typecast, have chauvinism, have people demean you by treating you like you're chattel because you're a female and you show up and they think they're over all women, that they're less than, that they're possessions. That's like livestock. Yeah, I know we're near Fort Worth, but that didn't have to happen to Christians. I used to go when I visited around. I stopped visiting because it was all these systems. I don't enjoy legalistic systems because everybody's got to be the boss. Everybody's trying to get favor with the top guy so they can, you know, I don't play games. We're not supposed to play ministry mind games. And I stopped. I do not do that. Dodd took me out of being a charismatic when I was in 2012, I put down my nonprofit I had, the International Fellowship of Foundational Ministries. I have been because of a protest. It's a prophetic act. I just want to be myself. If I have minister, I speak. If I do, if anybody wants to hear you, listen. We're getting this blunt because it's the last days and we have to be wilder because they're that lacking in discerning in ministry. They're that resolved and set in their ways and complacent and dull, asleep at the wheel, many of them, to even want to hear anybody except their favorite pet preacher, pet prophet, 
because then they can trade on their formulas and not think for themselves or go to the Lord and investigate what they're sitting like a noble Berean. That's why I'm talking like this. Stir you up. So I was raised to think. I don't know why. I think for myself. And I try to think as God would have me not be a critic or an accuser, but be an assessor, but at least be a reprover. They call it critical spirit, that kind. The legalistic system people say, oh yeah, right, or mark them that are in contention. This is not being contentious. This is addressing caustic, toxic, Christ-following. So we go back to when I was coming up in the Lord. It was, thank God, Billy Graham was there. I remember that. The Jesus people was humility. Different ministry groups came through with the charismatic movement. I was curious. I went to praise and worship, got involved in that. God led me. I've been to revivals up and down the East Coast. He would send me to Orlando, North Carolina, Tulsa, Oklahoma for faith. Different ones at different seasons. I got imparted to many times. I got the songwriting ability. Many things went on. I remember when deliverance came through ministry. I remember the uh, signs and wonders. I remember all these wonderful things, but I also remember how winds of doctrine, fads and fancies, crazy things also started to get in to bring errant legalism, errant new teaching back under the law, such as everybody watch if you're not under somebody. Everybody, you're not under somebody, then they're out of order. They're in rebellion. They're not submissive to authority. And then they spread your rumor around. If you look on top of onlinefellowship.us and DFW Leader, but onlinefellowship.us, you'll see Ode to Whelp, Levitical Patriarchism. That has been my Alexander the Coppersmith all since the 90s. I've never, you know, as a past pastor's daughter, as a pure-hearted person, I don't gossip. I don't tell lies. I don't believe the evil report. I don't go out of my way to brand people and label them as devils or witches or error out of order. That is what goes on in the deep South. Does it happen in the North? I don't know. I'm sent to the deep South. So therefore I wrote what happened to me more than once. It happened to me in the state I came from. It happened to me once out here. The networks these people have are up and down it happens in Florida. Many things. I've not had it happen but three major times, but they were enough to teach on it. Back when the Lord called me, when I was 24, that time of life, he said, I want you to teach on it. If you see something and it happens once or twice, forget about it. But if it happens three or more times, I want you to teach on it. That's why I'm teaching what I teach on about crazy stuff. It is out there. It is crazy. All right, caustic and not like simple, loving Christ following that edifies people and is equal opportunity, real respect for men and women. And even if you make mistakes, this is huge because it happens so often. And I know people that it happened to also. We forgive them. We've already forgiven them, but this goes on. If it happens again, that reminds me I need to teach on it. What happened was I was raised so calmly, matter of fact, ordinarily cooking in the kitchen, grandmother visited, all these things, that when I went out to public ministry and it was during the time where I did teach in a 
a spiritual church. They allowed me to teach. I started a women's Bible study for a few years, had my ministry out, started to network, be invited to racial healing, pastors gatherings back in my old state, repentance, real repentance for God to move and getting along in denominations. It was really fine. It was fun. It was serious. I got warfare, you know, a little bit, but it was nothing like I've been through in the since I moved into certain groups. All right. The reason is back then, prior to the teachings that everybody's got to be under somebody's authority, whelp, Western European Levitical patriarchism, patriarchism, a.k.a. shepherding, which I remember started in New Wine Magazine because I got New Wine Magazine. I like New Wine Magazine in the 70s, and then it disappeared. I quit getting that magazine because they were off. They did other things that were good. They were from the Deep South. Well, that didn't bother me until I started getting in the moves where they get into big worship, the Holy Spirit, and they could be very pure-hearted but off. And I didn't realize that when it got into certain groups that are prophetic or that in the spirit, fine-tuning, and they could be really wonderful in many ways, authentic, that with that came this critical spirit of accusation that says, you've got to do things our way or the highway or we'll gossip about you or we'll blackball you in the community. So if you look at Ode to Whelp, that is the fruit of the whelp. Western European shepherding, Western European Levitical patriarchs. I never had that issue with any African American history, African American, African descent person, any evangelical, white or black or brown, any Asian or any Hispanic. I never had that unless I deal with one certain kind, and they're not we global, multicultural, they are we centric. We are the world, colonial, maybe never grew up with a lot of well-roundedness or love in their family. But anyway, this is a huge deal, and I will teach on it later, the Levitical spirit. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. Thank goodness he was not a critical descendant of the prophetic roots of Levi. You could read Levi and his mayhem, his caustic lifestyle, which I studied. But he instead, Jesus was from the positive tribe of Judah, the servant leader, agricultural. Judah shall plow. That can mean plow up your thoughts and minds. That can mean plow up the hard ground, literally or figuratively. And that can mean he'll plow up you and my, you and my thinking to stir us up so that we'll seek him more. As I came along, I didn't know all these things. I didn't know about all this stuff. God revealed it. When I was, when my father died and my grandmother died, I had postpartum depression when I was like 1979. I got turned on the radio, Kenneth Copeland, and his big, you know, it was very cheery, got my attention, and it sought to call me to ministry. He said, Be of good cheer, choose to be of good cheer, and study the word which I have every day. I'm not under Kenneth Copeland. I respect Henry Copeland, but I've been around so many different kinds of people who warp all the teaching that is that good people say and think that I've had to go to the Lord and get my own thinking. And right now I'm Galatians 1, 1 and 2, an apostle sent by the Holy Spirit, not under one person, not sent out by one person or one group, though we like groups, though we like to be around people, but you have to be sent 
You have to be chosen by God and you have to be sent. That means anybody, everybody, or you're not sent. That's the issue. If you're not sent, if you're sent by a person, you may not, you may be off. Not all are like that, but you have to know your authority, which I can teach on and train on if anybody needs me to. So before I knew that this existed, back when I was in that first wonderful years of cross-body unity prayer in our former area in that central Virginia, that was prior to all this shepherding coming into town and everybody keeping track and pastors being nosy. And it was people that were not, let's put it this way, I don't know if they were... I won't say they were educated, but let's put it this way. A lot of people that were doing that were, I guess they'd more back in the woods, rural. And maybe they just didn't have a lot of money. They needed more money. I don't know. But I was, I had board members. I had people that spoke into my life. I was accountable to black and white. And I never had any issues with those people that were very well educated, traditional or non-traditional, I just never had anybody until this one kind of group took over, and it was WELP, Western European Levitical Patriarchism. You know, you don't know, I had always asked my, my prayer warriors to please cover me in prayer that I wouldn't get off. I claimed scriptures that God would, Psalm 113, that he would set me with the princes and princesses of his people, and I still do. I still need more prayer people. I didn't realize that sometimes when you're led by the Spirit, he you can get wounded on the battlefield. And so I would go being innocent. James 3.17, my husband said, yeah, that's fine with me. I'll keep the kids. Always under authority. Always having people speaking in my life. But when I sit there, there's something in me that stirs a religious spirit, that stirs the hornet of this Levitical patriarchism. And if you read about Levi, he actually murdered somebody. He murdered and slaughtered a tribe with his brother Simeon. He was known for his meanness. Levi was raised in chaos and dysfunction. He disrespected women, probably because his his mother was Leah, the doe-eyed, unattractive one that Jacob, his father, didn't really love or want. He wanted Rachel. And here there was, here was Levi, the middle child that always has some issues usually, and yet he was raised with a mother that was not respected. He had a low opinion of women. And then when somebody raped his sister, Dinah, and the father of Levi wanted to make peace with the man, the father of the man who raped her because he loved her, the man that raped her really loved her, and they'd worked it out to be calm so that it would avoid bloodshed. Here, old usurper, Levi and Simeon go and plot to deceive the men to getting circumcised so that on the third day when they were sore, they could slaughter the tribe, which they did. So I don't want Jesus or my Christ or my Messiah or my ministry to represent anything to do with legalism or critical accusation or murder of somebody's reputation just because I have an ego or I'm chaotic or dysfunction. So we have really thought through this. Thank God, when I look back, that my father was not like that. My father was probably the most sane, calm gentleman, respectful to my mother, his mother, my mother's mother, me, my sister. He was just a healthy role model in my hard drive to look back on when I've had great accusation, great critical spirits, people that are really... 
So one time I was, let me put it this way, I would go to all these prayer meetings and praise meetings and pastors meetings and fellowship and other meetings and churches and never have an issue. I would never, I would just love it. I'd learn, I'd grow, I'd watch, I'd see, I'd develop, I'd sit there and hear from God. Had a great time. All it takes is one or two jumps in public when they haven't even gotten, wanted a relationship with you. They have never talked to you and found out that how God uses you because they really don't value you. They do not respect you. And they are, they're like kings that own everybody. And so I have to share this. I'm going to share it because it's out there. This is out there in certain groups to watch out for and pray for these people, but also don't tolerate it. If you feel that you've been jumped and accused and you and the, and you try to confront them, which I did the first time, I've tried to confront them, they avoid it. Then I would say go to their oversight. But then I've also had that when I have gone to oversight, they've avoided me. So then you just trust God. People who nowadays say, oh, Tavo, that's not being sweet. That's being mean that you want to confront them. I point out you do it respectfully. You do it politely. But the Bible says to be up front in Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17, go one to one. If they don't hear you, go again and take somebody with you. And Galatians 6, 1 to the elder. If you see somebody you think is in sin or is in sin, you're to go meekly and humbly in case you yourself are tempted later by the same sin. Those are not in their rule book. Those are out of order by those who say that all must be in submission to their doctrine. And this is what's so ironic. So what happened was when I was in a growing more and more domestic violence, abusive relationship, you know, married, I was a Christian in ministry at the same time. And you think, is it my fault that this happens? Is it, I want to forgive, I love them, and let's forgive. And we have two children, and I want to make sure that we keep our marriage together. It's the right thing to do, the Bible says. And then you get you get really just exhausted, and you get really attacked like a satanic spirit, demonic spirit, which just is a, I mean, it wears you out, and it really is painful. So that happened, an incident with that spirit of being, a, you know, like violent spirit, really got me because I was tired anyway, you know, being a mom and everything. So I was going through domestic violence, as in emotional abuse, big time, huge. And the next day was the March for Jesus. This was 1996. And I had been invited to be on the women's prayer leadership for the Washington March for Washington, D.C., March for Jesus, or whatever that is, the Jesus Day they used to have. And so I went down. I thought, should I go? Because I was depleted and just feeling dead, tired, you know, awful from that pain from abuse. So I thought, Lord, should I go downtown and march in the March for Jesus? Because I love Jesus. Well, I didn't hear anything either way. And my mind said, well, you know, since they don't hear anything, I love Jesus. I, my loyalty is I'm going to go. So I went. And my lesson is don't go if you don't hear anything. Because <laughs> I've had two incidences where I wasn't sure I didn't hear a thing. They both were not happy. All right. So I go down there and I took a friend named Barbara. So I take a friend named Barbara and I'm standing there feeling 
not myself, not too great, but we love Jesus. So we're standing there and all of a sudden this pastor who was one of the group that believed in the covering and the doctrine of shepherding and was very dominating, rural, he calls me over. Well, I'm seen, they don't know me closely, but they know me from being in meetings. And I think, oh, look, he's treating me with respect as a fellow peer and minister around town. I'll go over and say hi. Turned out he had an agenda. And this man openly in the March for Jesus of all places, never confronted me, never submitted to Matthew eighteen fifteen or Galatians 6, 1 in my Bible, politely, one-to-one, respectfully, in private, but instead called me over and proceeded to rebuke me and then called certain pastors of the same ilk over there to watch and be his witness when he rebuked me for being out of order in rebellion in my home. Well, that spirit on him, demonic spirit of just reviling it with full force in public. And I'm a, I was really quiet back then, much younger. And feeling bad, not feeling great anyway from emotional abuse. That was like a violent attack, violent. And I didn't know what to do, but it looked, it took the wind out of my sails completely. And I walked back like a zombie. And Barbara said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. So I just put my my sunglasses on and walk like a zombie the rest of the march. Well, the pastor's wife of the one who was a main pastor of that group, the pastor's wife saw me and she recognized me and she said, is Tavo okay? And I didn't say anything. I didn't want her to know, but I was not okay. And that thing, that took me out for weeks or months. And when I went home, I knew it was the devil. I knew it was not that person. It was just an assault by a devil, a religious spirit. So I started to think I would forgive them for they know not what they do. But it was in, I was in pain, great pain, mega pain. And I wrote later, I thought, this is the devil. God will turn it for good. I wrote a pamphlet. It's called because I multifasted, very multifasted, and I thought God was trying to get me at every, I mean, the devil was trying to take me down at every level from the personal private to the public, trying to kill me. And I knew that was God's, not God. And so later, I after I summoned the energy, I personally called that pastor that openly rebuked me without any relationship, any privacy, and any respect for me. I purposely went over to his to make an appointment at his office. When I went in there, it was like I was still, you know, you don't feel good when you're abused all the time. And so I went there professionally. And when I looked at him, he glowered at me. He glowered at me like he was the, what do you call it, the cat that swallowed the mouse. I was there to talk and to really work on it. But instead, he was so rude. He was so arrogant, so unloving that I just said thank you, and I, after a few words, I left. But it was exhausting, and from then on, that group, that kind of group, that doctrine spread, and that legalism, that lack of love, and that owning people, and it made a huge impression, and I realized. So I just left. Lord left, led me, and I'll continue on our next one, because i got to go. We're, we're running out of space so part three, I'll tell you to be continued. God bless.